Love it, love it. Well, good morning, welcome. How's everybody doing today? Awesome, awesome. Hey, I wanna welcome you, my name's Colby, and yes, today is my birthday. I am 30 years old with 14 years of experience, and so, hey, yeah, it's a, it's a great day. I wanna welcome those of you that are in the lobby, too, in our overflow. Thanks for coming and showing up today. We are in a series called Full Proof. In fact, this is the second week that we're in of this series. Really, it's a study over the book of Proverbs. King Solomon wrote these Proverbs, by and large, to his son, really to instruct him in wisdom and what wisdom looks like. This is part of the wisdom section of uh, the Bible. And so week one, we started diving into the, the first verse where, where King Solomon says, hey, wisdom is supreme. Like, it's the top priority, so go after it. Get it. And if it's his top priority, it should be ours too. That we should do anything that we can to attain it, to get it. He even says that if it costs you everything that you have, chase it down. Go after it because we need wisdom for living. We need godly wisdom, which is more than knowledge. Knowledge is just information. We don't need more information. We need the ability to apply that information. Wisdom actually means skilled living. That's what it means, that we need this, this godly wisdom for us to live our lives in such a way where it works, where we're finding the complete full life that God has intended for us. And the reason that we're diving into this is because there's just not a lot of wisdom anymore, is there? I mean, look at the videos that we just saw, the videos that we've seen leading into this series. It's like people are making some really, really bad decisions. And Solomon urges us, encourages us to go on this hunt, to do everything that we can to find wisdom because it leads really to that full life. Not only does it keep you from making some very foolish mistakes, from acting a fool, but it also leads us into the blessings of God as well. I wanna look at Proverbs chapter three, starting in verse 13. Uh, it says in your Bible, joyful is the person who finds it. Like it brings joy to your life. It brings happiness to your life. The one who gains understanding, you're filled with joy. Go to verse 15. Uh, it says, wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. It's, it's valuable. Verse 16 says, she offers you a long life. Who wants a long life? Like she offers you that in her hand, in her right hand, and riches and honor in her left. Who wants riches and honor? That's, that might be something you're like, yeah, I, I want that too. Well, wisdom, that's a byproduct of having wisdom. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. So wisdom leads us into satisfaction. Not only does it keep us from making foolish decisions, but it, it leads us into to, um, satisfaction and happiness. Wisdom is a tree of life. Those who embrace her, Happy are those who hold her tightly. So we're not just looking to wisdom to keep us from making dumb decisions, but we're also looking to wisdom for the blessings that come as a byproduct. However, there is a force working against that in our lives. And today I wanna talk about that force that keeps us from achieving, that keeps us from attaining godly wisdom. Jesus talks about this force in John chapter 10. 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, there is this war going on that we have a spiritual enemy that doesn't want us to have 
wisdom, the spiritual enemy that wants nothing more than to rob you of the joy that comes with godly wisdom, than to rob you, to steal from you um, uh, all that God has planned for you, this full life that Jesus says. Now, whether or not you believe that, whether or not you want to acknowledge that there is a war going on for your wisdom, it really doesn't matter. Just because you don't want to acknowledge it doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because you don't acknowledge the war doesn't mean you can circumvent the war. There, there is a war going on, and you don't really have to be ultra-spiritual to recognize it either. Like, I think we could all agree, I mean, there's such a thing as evil in this world, right? I mean, um, children, child abuse, children sold into to, to slavery, to human trafficking. There is evil that's going on in the world. So maybe you don't want to acknowledge that the spiritual battle is taking place, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. And Jesus says we have a very real enemy that is a joy stealer. He is a contentment killer, and he wants nothing to do but to rob you of that full life that he has planned for you. Because Jesus came, he says, that you may have life, and that you may have this full life. In other words, everything that we're looking for, and that wisdom can offer this joy, this peace, this happiness, this blessing, Jesus says you find it in me. And so today I want to submit to you that in order to experience that full life that he has planned for us, it takes wisdom, godly wisdom, this wisdom that comes from above. Now we started last week talking about how the beginning of wisdom, fear of the Lord, is the foundation for wisdom. And Solomon says, hey, if you're gonna start this journey, you better have a holy, reverent fear of God. And many of you, hopefully you embrace that. And you're like, I, I do have that. I desire wisdom. I, I want to have a, a deeper reverence and, and awe of who God is. But practically speaking, then, where do I begin? Well, what Solomon does in these Proverbs is he gives us these foundational pillars of wisdom. He gives us these themes, uh, this kind of vein that runs throughout the Proverbs, these, uh, that he encourages us to, to grab a hold of. One of those is found in Proverbs 13, 16. It says, wise people, what's that word? Think before they act. That's what wise people do. That's what wisdom does. But fools, they don't think about it. In fact, they brag about their foolishness. Proverbs 12, 15 says, fools, what's that word? Think their way is own right, but the wise listen to others. In these Proverbs, Solomon says that one of these foundational pillars of wisdom is our thinking. The way that we think, what's in our mind. He says that uh, we must address how we think, our, our thoughts that we have. In fact, the war for wisdom and the fights that, that, that we face happen in the space of about six inches between our ears. You know what I'm saying? Our mind. Our mind, on, in many cases, is our own worst enemy. And the problem is many of us are losing the battle against our minds. Our mind is poisoning us. Our mind is silently killing us. We, we, we think these negative thoughts all the time. And we can't just deal with our dysfunctional decision-making, those, those bad decisions that make us foolish. We have to deal with what's driving them. It's not enough to deal with the fruit, right? We have to deal with the root of those decisions. And did you know that any person throughout the day has an average of 60,000 thoughts run through their brains. You know that? Like even right now, some of you, you can't turn off your thinker. That's the technical term for it. Like you're thinking, you can't even turn it off. 
because it's just constantly going. Some of you couldn't sleep last night. You were restless, tossing and turning in bed because you can't shut that thing off. We have on average 60,000 thoughts running through our brain and 48,000 of them are negative. 48,000 of the 60,000 thoughts that we have, um, researchers say are negative thoughts. We are losing the battle in our minds. And if it's true that thoughts lead to actions and actions lead to habits and habits ultimately get you to your destination, then it all begins right here with your thoughts, with what's going on in your mind. And in order for us to make wise decision, decisions, it all starts here in this space about six inches or so between our ears, this war that we have in our mind. I'm calling this message, if you wanna jot down a title, you are what you think, that's so true. You are what you think, you've heard you are what you eat, which is also true, but you are what you think. Proverbs 23, seven, lays out this particular wisdom um, pillar for us. He says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So what you dwell on, what you think about, what you mull over, the things that have your time and your energy and your focus, that what your thoughts are fixated on, whatever that is, so you become. You are what you think. In fact, we'll say it this way if you wanna take some notes and jot this down. Your life moves in the direction of your dominant thoughts. That's so true. Whatever it is you're thinking about, that's the direction that you will be going. Those dominant thoughts, those thoughts that occupy most of your time and energy in your mind. For example, let me give you some different kinds of persons, uh, people, persons, people. I don't know which one's accurate. It doesn't matter. First, we think about the Eeyore. The Eeyore is the person that's like, I can't do it. You know who Eeyore is, right? Like Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore. He's just like always negative on himself, tearing himself down. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. That's for someone else. This is the person that's constantly saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. And you know what I've discovered about the Eeyore? Is that they often don't. Because your life moves in the direction of your dominant thoughts. So if you think you can't do it, a lot of times... You can't. Or how about the person that is the, the record keeper? Uh, I don't know if this is, is you. It's been me in different seasons of my life. But that's the person that, that rehearses and replays their past mistakes over and over and over in their mind. It's like it's, like it's on repeat on the hard drive of their mind, the failures that they've made. And this person is paralyzed from moving forward because your life moves in the direction of your dominant thinking, and you can't make any traction, you can't make any headway because all you're doing is, is remembering your past failures. Or how about this one right here, the turd factory. Like, what's that? That's the person that no matter what goes into them, turd comes out. Now, let me explain that, let me explain that, because like, uh, doesn't that happen anyway? Yeah, but hang on. Um, this is the person that anything that that's, could be positive that goes in, they have a spiritual gift of making it negative. This is the person that you can say, hey, it's beautiful outside. Like it's fall, you know, it's sun shining, it's wonderful. The turf factory says, yeah, but the snow is coming, right? I mean, that's, it doesn't matter. No matter what you tell them, right, they, they have this gift of spinning everything 
negative. And the sad thing is, is they live their life that way. They're depressed, they're, they're lonely, they're bitter, because your life moves in the direction of your dominant thinking. And then uh, one more, that's the little engine that could. How many of you know that book, The Little Engine That Could? This is the person that they live life as like a blank canvas. Like all they see every single day is opportunities and possibilities. This is the person that's like, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And you know what I've discovered about the little engine that could? They generally can. They, they can, they make it happen because their life moves in the direction of their dominant thoughts. Now real quick, if you are in Christ, you're a follower of Jesus, there is no reason for you not to live your life that way. There is no reason for you not to see the possibilities and the potential that every day brings, that today is a new day, that we are new creations in Christ Jesus, that we have the same Holy Spirit living in us that gave Jesus victory over the grave. So we don't have to walk through this life um, to, to search for victory. We already have it in Jesus' name, amen? Like that's, that's where we are. And so we approach every single day, not as victims, but as victorious because where our identity is in Jesus, our life is in Jesus. And so there really is no reason for us to walk through life like an Eeyore or like a turret factory or like the record keeper. Our identity is in him. Now, it's easier said than done, isn't it? Because even though we know that, even though we, we understand as followers of Jesus, you know, that it doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect that he even said, you know, um, it's not gonna be perfect, that you're gonna face battles, you're gonna, you're gonna, in this world, you will have trouble, right? We, we know that. And so still there's this war that, that rages on inside our mind. And so what I don't want you to do this morning is mistake this message for a, a self-help kind of message. This is not Dr. Phil's three points to having a happy life, all right? This is not that. In fact, this is the opposite of a self-help message. This is uh, understanding that we, we can't necessarily help ourselves, that we need the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And that our life gets to the destination that we find ourselves in is a direct result of those dominant thoughts that are, are driving us. And so here's the problem. We don't think about how we think, we just think. Now, I know that's a little bit confusing, but that's the reality. None of us ever have to get up in the morning and think to ourselves, hey, self, you should start thinking. That's not the way it works. Like, we all just think. It's automatic. It's, it's robotic. It's just kind of, it's always on. And again, some of you, we would love to turn it off sometimes, right? We're just constantly thinking and thinking and thinking. In fact, I would suggest that the reason for the high levels of addiction is a lot of, because of this. Because we try to alter our thinking, we try to suppress memories, we try to, to quiet the voices by using drugs and alcohol in order to do that. And that's an, a reason for such a high addiction rate. But the fact is, we don't think about the fact of uh, how we think. But if we never address our thinking or the way that we think, then we will just become victims to our thoughts. And so I wanna give us four things today on what to do with those destructive, negative thoughts. So first thing is this, jot it down, we have to identify them. First and foremost, we have to identify what those negative thoughts sound like in your life. 
because I don't think there is a more destructive and deadly force working against us than the destructive thoughts that we have in our life. In fact, I think more Christians are derailed by destructive thinking than they are by a destructive lifestyle because it's those thoughts that lead to actions. It's those actions that form habits. It's those habits that arrive us at those destinations that a man is as he thinks. And so I don't know how they sound for you. I don't know how you identify these thoughts in your mind. I'll just, I'll just be real transparent. This is how um, these destructive thoughts sound in my life. Uh, they, can, they can whisper in my ear. They can say, hey, you know, Colby, what are you, what are you even doing? And ain't nobody cares about this stuff. Um, they, you know, I know what you what you really, what your past is like. I know what you've, you've done. I, I know, you know, kind of where you've been. They can roll up on you that way and just kind of whisper in your ear. They want to tear you down. They might sound to you like, hey, you know, I, I know what you did last night. I know what you did last summer. That was a, that was a movie, I think. I know what you're, what you're going to do. I know what you're thinking about doing. I don't know how you identify these negative thoughts in your, your life. Hey, you're never going to be able to rise up above that sin pattern that you can continually fall into. You're not worthy of God's love. You're not worthy of his mercy. You don't, you don't deserve that. They speak to me differently. They, they, they speak to me like, hey, look at you, all pasty whites. You need a tan. That's what they say. That's for, that's for all the white people in the room. <laughs> you might say, look at you, all flabby in those jeans, really letting yourself go. I know you're, you're 44, but it's time to you know, get back on the treadmill. That's how they speak to me in my life. Uh, anyway, but it's tricky because these destructive thoughts are kind of a, a counterfeit form of conviction in your life. On one hand, they reveal to you how much you need to change. Hey, I really do need to kind of get back on a treadmill. I really do need to start working out a little bit. But simultaneously, they'll convince you that you never can change. You really do need to change that sin pattern in your life. But you know what? That's just who you are. You're never going to move past it. You're never going to move beyond it. It'll convince you that you are, are stuck. See, you want to live for Jesus? Ah, you're just a hypocrite. You want to live for Jesus, but, but you know, I, I heard you. You say you're a Christian, but you just cussed your wife out behind her back because you, you're not smart enough. You know, you don't have the guts to do it to her face, right? So you just kind of did it behind her back. There you go, being a hypocrite again. Now, I know what you your past looks like, they will try to cement you into a way of seeing yourself based on a single action, based on something you did maybe even years ago. They will bury you. They will suck you in. They will destroy you. They will, they will show you a picture of who you are that's so far from what God intended. I don't think there's a more deadly dynamic than the destructive thoughts that we have. And because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Um, God spoke through the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, and this is what he said. Hey, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Like, don't do that. That's not, that's not going to get you anywhere. In fact, it's only going to leave you uh, unsatisfied. It's only going to leave you empty. And I don't have to convince some of you of that. Like, you realize that. You've, you've tried. You've tried to, to find, you know, wholeness in, in success, but it's only brought brokenness. You've tried to find um, happiness in that, that relationship, but it hasn't brought happiness. It's only brought heartache to your life. So I don't have to convince you of that. Some of you, you're discovering that right now, that the world has nothing to offer that will permanently satisfy. And because of that, you know, don't copy the behaviors and customs of it, 
but instead let God transform you into a new person by doing what? Changing the way that you think. Changing your mind. As a man thinks, so he is. And then he says, you'll learn to know God's will for your life. In other words, you'll have wisdom to live this life as God intended you to live this life, which, by the way, God's will for you is good, is pleasing, and is perfect. He wants you to live this full life. So the question is, how do we do that? How do we change the way that we think? So first we have to identify what those negative thoughts, what those destructive thoughts sound like, those patterns to those thoughts. And the second thing is, jot this down, then you gotta capture it. You gotta grab hold of it. You have to arrest that thought, those foolish and destructive thoughts. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 10 says it this way, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Again, there is a spiritual battle going on. And I submit that a lot of what I'm talking about today, we've been trying to fight it with worldly weapons. But the Bible says we're not facing a, a worldly kind of battle. This is a spiritual battle that's happening in our mind. We use instead God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. And to destroy false arguments, we capture those rebellious thoughts. We capture those destructive thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Now, I want to stop here for a moment. Now, I want you to look at this. Strongholds of human reasoning. Strongholds of human reasoning. Those are the, the destructive thought patterns, that human reasoning. That's what's going on in our, our mind. Paul says those are strongholds. I looked up the definition for stronghold. You know what it means? Def stronghold is a place that has been fortified to protect itself against an attack. That's what it's become. Some of us have such negative thoughts, such destructive thoughts, they have rooted themselves. They have dug in. They have become strongholds in our mind. You know what the problem is with a stronghold? It's strong. Like, it's tough to get rid of. Some of you have... have had such a destructive thought pattern, it has become a part of you. And you can't get rid of it. You can't have, you know, Dr. Phil's three steps to happiness aren't gonna get you there. I don't know why I'm knocking on Dr. Phil this morning. I apologize <laughs> to Dr. Phil lovers around the world. But it's not gonna work. He says instead, you can't, you can't fight these spiritual battles with, with worldly weapons. It, it, it won't work. You have to knock down these strongholds and the only way to do it is with God's mighty weapons. Here's what I know. Some of you walked in this room, I, maybe all of us walked in this room with a stronghold. Maybe it's the way that you think about um, eating habits and eating patterns has become a stronghold in your life. Maybe it's just, it's negativity and you've been nurturing that negativity for so long. It is a stronghold. Maybe it's anger that you have, that you haven't dealt with, or when you try to deal with it, you face so much resistance because a stronghold does everything it can to protect itself from being knocked down, from being destroyed. Maybe it's uh, a self-image, a poor self-image that you have. It is a stronghold in your life. But you can't fight these strongholds, again, with worldly weapons. And I don't know how that stronghold got there, Maybe it was in a moment of pain. Maybe it was in a moment of hurt. Maybe it was in a moment where someone broke uh, your trust, but you had a thought. And in that moment, that, that thought of pain and that thought of hurt started to take root as a stronghold 
in your life. And you know what your enemy loves you to do? Nurture it. Say, no, you should feel that way. You should hang on to that. You should go down that path. Don't pull up off the gas. Like, just keep headed that direction. But the only way to take down a stronghold is with an even stronger God. A God who has mighty weapons that are able to knock down these strongholds. Look at verse four again. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning. And then watch this, to destroy false arguments. Everyone say destroy. It is not enough to mask them. It is not enough to to just kind of cover over them. But we must destroy these false arguments. We must destroy these lies in our mind. That's why the third thing is, jot this down, we have to eliminate destructive thoughts. We gotta eliminate them because the enemy of your life wants to get louder and wants to perpetuate that lie that you carry over your life. And the danger is in just masking them and not dealing with them and not eliminating them completely, what was maybe an isolated incident that could have been covered by the grace and the mercy of God has now become such a part of you, it started to define you. For example, maybe it was a nasty divorce. And instead of, you know, that that moment, just seeking God and the grace and the mercy that's available to you in that moment, you've allowed that thing to define you and now you carry that that with you. And it's become a part of you. And the, the enemy wants you to think you're not good enough. You're not going to be able to move forward. You're not going to be able to get, get past that. But there's mercy and there's grace that comes with God. And, and the enemy wants you to do nothing but believe the lies that he speaks over your life. In fact, that's why Jesus said in John 8, the devil, he lies. And he speaks lies. His native language is lies. He is the, the father of Lies, And when you buy into the lies of the enemy for your life, it paralyzes your potential to change. It does. You can't move forward. You can't gain gain any kind of traction. Lies create limitations in your life. But eliminating those lies create unlimited potential in your life. And that's why he says, hey, you can't just, you know, mask it. You can't just reduce that lie. You have to ruthlessly eliminate it. And so here's how it works. Sometimes you'll hear something in church. You know what? You have, maybe you have anger issues, but you heard that, hey, the Holy Spirit in you gives you the fruit of, of love, joy, patience, perseverance, right? Long, long suffering, gentleness, kindness, all that stuff. And you're like, I believe that about me. You know what? I, I don't have to have these anger issues. And on Sunday, you reduce that, that anger issue, but on Monday, you walk into work and there's your boss, and there he is again, saying the same old thing again, and that lie comes back because you, 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 you reduced it on Sunday, but it came back on, on Monday. Or maybe on Sunday you understand that God will never leave you or forsake you, and, and you have this, this loneliness, but then you committed your life to following Jesus. You're like, I, I'm gonna live for you. I, I'm, not, I'm gonna understand my identity is in you, and it's in you alone. It's in nothing else in this world, and, and you commit to that. But on Thursday... In fact, on Thirsty Thursday, you get lonely again. And so you go out and you find that loneliness uh, being, being masked. You forget about the fact that, that the enemy wants to, to lie to you. And so instead of eliminating it, all you've done is reduced it down. Paul says you can't do that. You can't coddle these lies. You have to ruthlessly kill the lies. 
Because if you don't kill these lies, they're going to end up killing you. And so Paul says, take every thought, every one of these false arguments, every one of these lies, lies captive, not 50% of them, not 80%, 99.9%, every single one of them, and hold it up to the truth of Christ and see what God says about it. Eliminate the lies. I came to tell somebody, you are not a helpless victim of the lies of the enemy. You are not powerless over the lies of the enemy in your life. In fact, here's something you should know. The enemy has not changed his, his schemes and the way he works like ever. He's still using the same old tricks in the garden in, in Genesis chapter three. Uh, he, he takes the form of a snake, right? And so he goes up to, to, to Eve and he says, hey, um, he, did God really say you must not eat from the tree? The enemy's gonna talk to you. Again, the enemy's gonna roll up on you in whatever way you will listen to him. He is a master communicator, but you don't have to be a victim or powerless over the lies of the enemy. However, look what Eve does in verse two. The woman said, and we can stop right there, because in that moment, she opened up herself to a conversation with the enemy. And I need to tell somebody, you don't have to do that. The moment you identify and recognize what those lives are, you just cut it off. You don't have to be party to it. You don't have to listen to it. You can say, not today, Satan, I'm out of here. Like one of my, I, I hate going to Chuck E. Cheese. Anybody with me hate going to Chuck E. Cheese? Worst place on the earth, all right? It's one of them. Um, you go in there, it's just the whistles and the bells and the buzzers and kids running around and they're snotty and they're dirty and they're stinky and it's nasty. Like, I just, I'm not a fan of Chuck E. Cheese. My family, we, don't go, we just don't go to Chuck E. Cheese all that much. But I know, you know what I decided? Like, when I don't wanna be there anymore, I get to leave. I get to take my 50,000 little tickets, go get two packs of gum and a bouncy ball and I can leave. I don't have to stay there anymore. And the same is true for you when the lies of the enemy start rolling up on you, start coming into your mind, those destructive thought patterns. You don't have to stay there. You can say, not today, Satan, in Jesus' name, and you take hold of the mighty, mighty uh, weapons of God and you eliminate those lies in your life, amen? You have the power to do that over the enemy. And so I wanna encourage you, you don't have to live that way that you need to identify those, you need to capture those, you need to eliminate those lies in your life, and here's the last one, you gotta replace them with something. Replace those destructive thoughts in your life. In fact, I'm gonna invite the band to come back out, and we're gonna spend a little bit of time in a moment allowing God to do that in our lives today. Um, I was thinking about this last kind of point and thinking through how this is not ever a, a one and done kind of deal in our life. It's something that we constantly have to do. It's something we constantly have to seek uh, God to do in our heart and in our life. Those destructive thought patterns for many of us have been there so long that they have just become rooted inside of us. They, they become a part of our DNA. They, they be, they've been sitting there forever and when you eliminate them and get them out of there it leaves this this massive void in your life and you will replace it with something i was thinking about glaciers and how they work and how they're they're formed they're formed by just massive amounts of snowfall uh, in some instances you can read that it takes 100 feet of snow to to make a, a foot 
of ice or you know it just it's so much snow that that just sits there and there's just they just kind of cover this these massive amounts of ground but as they get pulled away they 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 leave this massive void like sometimes thousands of feet deep these glacial kinds of valleys these glacial grooves that as the glacials glaciers recede it leaves this this void and the same is true as that thing recedes, as that thing is eliminated, that has a hold on your life, that has a stronghold in your life. When that thing gets pulled away, in Jesus' name, by God's mighty weapons, it's going to leave a void and you're going to have to replace it. See, I'm believing today that many of us here are going to leave with a new sense of freedom over that stronghold that has kept you, over those destructive thoughts that have chased you down, that have kept you from living that full life that God has planned for you. And we're gonna pull the, the, the glacier away and we're gonna replace it with something. And here's what Paul says to replace it with in Philippians 4, 8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, like fix your thoughts. Start thinking about. You've gotten rid of those destructive thoughts, those, those lies of the enemy. Now fix your thoughts on what's true. The word of God is the only thing that stood up to the, the test of time. Think your thoughts on things that, fix your thoughts on things that are honorable, on what's right, on what's good, on what's pure, on what's lovely, what's admirable. Think about those things, those things that are excellent, those things that are, are praiseworthy because your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life moves in the direction of your dominant thinking. And as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So here's what you think about instead. Not the negativity, not the lies. You replace those with things that are honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. The things that please and honor God. Those things that are praiseworthy. You know what a vulture does? I was reading up on vultures. I, I like to read up on things. A vulture spends its entire life, for the most part, seeking after death. Seeking after things that are dying. Looking after things that are decaying. Looking after things that it can, you know, prey upon. Looking after things that, that are just, really just nasty, right? That's what he does. And guess what he finds? Death. He finds destruction. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. But contrast that with a, a hummingbird. You know what a hummingbird does? Flies around all crazy. Like beating its wings like six billion times a second. That's, that's a lie right there. That's not factual. But a hummingbird looks for things that are bright. It spends its life looking for things that are, are brilliant colors. Things that give life. It looks for pollen. It looks for things that are, are filled with joy and happiness, things that, that feed it, things that make it come alive. When it comes to fixing our thoughts on something, are you a vulture or are you a hummingbird? Like, are you looking for things that are dead because you're going to find it? You have a critical spirit, a critical heart, you're going to find it. If you're just lusting for things over and over, guess what? You're going to find it. Solomon, time and time again, implores us, hey, don't go there. Don't go after that. Look out for that. Stay away from there. But if you're seeking for it, you're going to find it. But if you're seeking for life, you're going to find that too. 
if you fix your thoughts on things that are lovely and praiseworthy and admirable. Can I, can I suggest that that's what you do instead? That as you identify those negative thoughts, as you take them captive, as you eliminate them, that we replace them with the things of God in our life. Here's what I want us to do. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. Don't, don't kind of shuffle around. Really, we have time. You're gonna get out of here on time, I promise. But let's take some time right now for God to speak to your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to meet you right where you are. Because if you are a Jesus follower, there's no reason for us not to live with hope, not to live with our, our lives of understanding the opportunities and the potential that is in front of us every single day, that this is a new day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it that his mercy is new every single morning. So no matter what you've done, no matter what you are doing, that you have a fresh start here and now. No matter the strongholds that have been in your life, the lies that the enemy is telling you, your, your self-image, whatever it is, that, that you have a fresh start today. Right now, you, you have an ability to, with God's mighty weapons, to pull that, that glacier back, leaving that void, and now you decide what you're gonna fill it up with. Let's fix our thoughts on things that are lovely and praiseworthy, the things that God wants us to do, his mercies and grace for our life. So I wanna give two invitations this morning. First, I wanna pray for those who you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've never committed your life to him or you did a long, long time ago, but you certainly haven't lived that way. I wanna give you an opportunity to recommit your life to following Jesus because it all begins there. That's the, the starting line to living the full life. He says the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give life and life to its full, that he has plans for you. God says, I know the, the plans I have for you are not to harm you, but they're to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. And some of you can feel anything right now but hope. You don't feel like you have a future. And you walk through these doors, maybe this morning for me to tell you there is hope in Jesus. If you would just give your life to him and trust him and follow him, there's forgiveness for our sins. There's salvation for living. And one day we get to see him in eternity. If you'd say, Colby, I need that. I need that starting place in my life. The first invitation is for you. I wanna pray for those of you that wanna commit your life to following Jesus, not a religion, not a church but to having a relationship with God through Jesus. If you'd say, Colby, when you pray that prayer, I'm praying it right along with you. Would you raise your hand? Just hold it up high wherever you are in this room. Awesome. God bless you. Awesome. Praise God for you, bud. Good, good. You can put your hands down. Say something like this in your heart. Jesus, I need you. I can't do this without you. I don't want to do this without you. There is a void in my life that I need to fill. And you're the only thing that can fill it. And so Jesus, forgive me of my sin, past, present, and future. Forgive me for all the mistakes that I've made, the ways that I've, I've gone apart from you. Today, Jesus, I'm coming back home. I confess you as Lord and Savior. I believe that your death on the cross pays for my sins. And from this point on, I'm gonna follow you with my whole life in Jesus' name, amen. Still with every head bowed, every eyes closed. For those of you that prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, man, praise God for you. Congratulations. Like, I wanna be the first one to welcome you into the, the
the family of God. So that's amazing. But here's the second invitation. Those of you that would say, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus, but I have a stronghold in my life. There is something that's wrapped around and rooted deep in my heart that has not been knocked down, that has not been knocked over, that that has not uh, given me freedom in I can't even remember how long. And today is the day I believe that God wants to use his mighty weapons to destroy every false argument, to destroy that stronghold that's in your life. And if you'd say, Colby, I have something that I wanna, I wanna pray for. I'm believing God's gonna give me freedom. I'm believing God's gonna break these chains in my heart and in my life. I want to be free from this stronghold today. Would you just stand to your feet wherever you are? I'm a Christian, but I'm claiming the freedom that's in Jesus Christ. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Today is the day I wanna be set free. God, I pray for those standing right now that you would, through your Holy Spirit, free us Break down that stronghold in Jesus' name. Set us free. Help us to identify those destructive thoughts and those patterns in our life and completely eliminate them, Jesus. Set us free from anger. Set us free from lust. Set us free from a poor self-image. Set us free in Jesus' name from addiction. We pray for the mighty weapons of God to free us and us to have victory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there will be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to fueling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.